Ladies, non-binary persons, gentlemen, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the audio performance you are about to enjoy discusses casinos and gambling. We do not recommend with gambling you cannot afford to lose or that is needed to pay bills. If you have a gambling problem, contact your problem gambling hotline. If you do not know how to contact your problem gambling hotline, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that number for you and provide it to you. Our host's past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including his own. All materials presented here are based on actual facts. Names and dates are changed to protect the innocent and the guilty. Some events unrelated to outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. It is, it's me, it's TRG, the Rambling Gambler. 35 years, and my life is still trying to get up that great big hill of hope for a destination. And so I try sometimes when I'm lying in bed, just to get it all out what's in my head. And I'm I'm feeling a little peculiar. And so I wake in the morning, and I step outside, and I take a deep breath, and I get real high, and I scream from the top of my lungs, what's going on? What is going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 113 of our Casino Combat Podcast. If this is your first time, your very first episode, you found us at a very interesting time in the timeline. Normally, this is the part where I say, I can teach you to be good at the game of casino gambling. Honestly, I think I can. I actually think if you listen back through older episodes, I have. But in many ways, a part of this episode is going to explore how not to be good at the game of casino gambling. 35 years and my life is still trying to get up that great big hill of hope for a destination. Let's do a little squad news, and then I'll give you the battle plan for the episode. First up in squad news, we have a first, a unique aligning of the planets, a celestial event. We had two people correctly determine the real-world name of my home casino, Casino 2, and join the Excelsior Brigade in the same day. I mean, honestly, within about 12 hours from each other. And on this fateful day, our first addition to the Excelsior Brigade was No Way Dude. No spelled with a K, of course. That's actually an edit of mine. That was followed up later in the day with the successful application by Gray Squirrel. Now, don't worry. Gray Squirrel uses the British spelling, so we still have room for one more Gray Squirrel with an American spelling, which would be fine. Like, Hangover? We have two dogs. Hangover had two Dugs. We have two Dugs. We have Virginia Casino Player Doug and Pear Square Doug. So we can have two squirrels if we need to. We still have a squirrel opening if that comes up. Actually, we could probably add a red squirrel, a black squirrel, and a brown squirrel. So we could get really squirrely if needed. <laughs> that fits. It's been a squirrely two weeks, actually. If you want more details about determining my home casino location, that was covered in episode 22. Boy, that was forever ago. I'll also mention that Inner Circle and Excelsior Brigade members, those who have correctly determined the real-world uh, location and name of my home casino, get invited to live video virtual VIP lounge events, access to the recording of those events, as well as access to an email chain with dialogues about the contents of those events, stuff I'm not ready to podcast yet. They're part of the test group, if you will, if they decide to participate in those live virtual video VIP lounge events. Boy, I'm not sure I said that the same way both times. So that's a big, big, big milestone for us as a squad, as as a podcast group, as members of the Casino Combat Galaxy. We had two people join the Excelsior Brigade in the same day. Welcome to both of you. We are so glad to have you. Next up, I got a great email recently from Excelsior Brigade mem member Alabama Rebel that I really, I really wanted to share all of this with all of you. I wanted you all to hear this. And it says, greetings, TRG. A recent segment you had, episode 96 maybe, went on about the importance of your casino persona. And he says, rings, belt buckle, vest, boots, and in the bigger picture, I'll interject there, whatever someone's casino persona might be. I am a big believer in totems, if you will, uh, things that you put on or things that you tell yourself or whatever it might be to put yourself in that winning mindset. Sorry, I got way off of uh, 
AR's initial email there. But he continues, this is how you project yourself to the casino world, and it provided the needed mental state that was important to your success at casino gambling. That is true. I did say all of that. A recent event last week brought this back to my memory with positive proof that your podcast have instilled a casino persona in me without me even realizing it. Per your teachings, know the concepts and wisdoms, have a proper bankroll, have your positive and negative exit points established, utilize an action plan, have all your decisions made before you get into the casino, etc., etc., As I parked my car at the Hollywood Casino in Tunica, I made sure I was mentally prepared with all that you had been teaching. I exited the car and walked to the entrance and noticed a casino patron sitting on a bench next to the door. She had been watching me as I walked up and towards her. As I approached her, she made eye contact with me and chuckled and said, Hey, you look like you already won. Well done, Sensei. Alabama Renegade. Made my day, everybody. Absolutely made my day without a doubt. It is wonderful here that what I've discussed, other people can see in how we act and move. So big thanks to Excelsior Brigade member, Alabama Renegade. Look, you start these things, and in my case, started it in a weird time in the world where we were all just a little stir crazy, and and you think you have something to teach. And to get the feedback that people see that reflecting in their real life is, is truly a wonderful thing. And I am, uh, I am grateful. I am humbled. And I really appreciate the feedback really kind of arrived at a time where, uh, it helped me to hear it. That's for sure. Let's do the battle plan for the episode. And some of that intro at the beginning may make more sense. I have a couple of great segments for you today. I really do ideas that I'm excited about a little bit terrified by in some ways, There's a lot going on here, but I am really, really, I I think these are great segments, and I think you're going to be able to see things in a lot of different ways because of this. We're going to start with the strangest segment I do, a moment of concepts. Concepts spelled with a K, of course. I want to explore what it means to return to the mean. After that, we're going to have a moment of casino wisdom and explore one of my favorite wisdoms in a very, very different and somewhat intimidating and terrifying way a way that has kind of shaken me to my foundations. Uh, uh, We're going to look at this Casino Wisdom in a way that's going to show you this podcast may not have been what we thought it all was at all in a very, very fascinating way. Finally, we are going to hang out in the recently renovated virtual VIP lounge. We are going to review two weeks of gambling and then the results for the month of April 2023. A month that started with a lot of fun in Vegas, as you heard in episode 112, as well as some less than perfect gambling outcomes. So we'll hear about the rest of the month and whether I could recover from that or not. Sometimes I open episodes with silliness or humor or admittedly bragging to grab your attention. Today's episode is 100% on point for each segment, including the results. Honestly, T-Rex, pull this. If you think this is horrible, just pull it. But honestly, it's all right there. I've been at this 35 years, and my life is still trying to get to my destination. Continual success at living a casino lifestyle while making a profit. Certainly, our Moment of Concept segment and our Moment of Casino Wisdoms segment are me just trying to get it all out what's in my head. It's been two weeks of me feeling a little peculiar, and to be clear, I've had multiple moments of screaming at the top of my lungs, what's going on? This should be an episode of Revelations. Let's get started. You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. Thing means nothing. What? A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. Nothing means nothing, oh yeah, as the great man said. A moment of concept segments are intended to make us think, ponder, examine complex ideas in complicated ways it's supposed to take multiple wisdoms and multiple core concepts and throw them in a blender and i'm going to have multiple wisdoms for you here i suspect but one of the core concepts is is playing games with a very small house advantage which means these games are basically coin tosses and So I'm going to jump off from there. And the big question today, one that's been on my mind a great deal, is what does it mean to return to the mean? The mean is a statistical term. Let me define it for you. 
Return to the mean is a concept derived from statistics and refers to the tendency of a variable, which has experienced an extreme value in one direction, to move back toward its average or mean value over time. It's also known as regression to the mean, right? So this is saying a lot of random events, if they go one way or another, are going to come back to what they statistically should be over a lot of tries. And in various fields such as sports, finance, and natural phenomena, the concept suggests that extreme events or outliers are often followed by less extreme or more typical outcomes. This phenomena occurs due to the inherent randomness, fluctuation, or temporary influences that can affect data points, causing them to deviate from the average. Over the time, these influences tend to even out, leading the variable to revert or return close to its mean value, which would be its expected value. For example, consider a basketball player who has a remarkable scoring spree and achieves exceptionally high scores in a few games. Due to regression to the mean, it is expected that the player's scoring performance will eventually come back to their average level in subsequent games. This does not mean that the player's skill has necessarily deteriorated, but rather that the extreme performance was influenced by factors like luck, oh, we are going to talk about that in a minute, or favorable circumstances that are unlikely to persist consistently. Regression to the mean is an important concept in understanding statistical trends, making predictions, or interpreting data correctly. It helps to guard against overestimating or underestimating the significance of unusual events, as well as recognizing the natural variability and tendency of data to revert to its long-term average. <laughs> okay, that's a lot. That actually sounds like something my algorithm friend, All Rhythm and Glory, would say. Glory would say that. In fact, maybe I should have had the actress come in and have Glory say that. Maybe that would have been fun. Look, this all, when we get outside sports and finance and natural phenomena, this applies to gambling in a couple of ways. And now it's often used by losers to explain why losing is inevitable. I mean, you have to return to the mean at some point. And in the case of casinos, the mean is you lose X per hundred wagered. That is the mean. That is the expectation. Let's look at a couple of examples related to the games themselves. So let's start with roulette. On most roulette wheels, you have some black spots, some red spots, and one, two, or three, yuck, three green spots. So... With black or red, you are expected to win 47.3% of the time. With green, you are expected to win 5.26% of the time. Now, a lot of roulette wheels, if you walk through a casino, they'll list statistics, the most recent numbers, and then how much has been red, how much has been black, how much has been green, how much has been even and odd and top quarter and bottom, all those top third, bottom third, sorry, all those things. And if you walk around, you'll see that the red, black, and green, minus the decimal points, come very close to that numbers. Over time, unless the wheel is warped, the results are going to return to the mean. That's what it means. Over time, you might have six, seven, eight, nine, ten black drops in a row, or red, or quite frankly, green. But if you make the assumption at that point that it's going to be a lot more of it coming up black, or you go, no, 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 there's got to be a lot more of it coming up red. No. The next one's still random. The next one still could be anything red, black, or green. But over 100 spins, a 1,000 spins, a million spins, over all the spins on all the roulette wheels, in all the joints it had to walk into mine? No, that's not the way that works. Take all the spins on all the roulette wheels for a whole day across the globe, you're going to come really, really close to that number. You're going to return to the mean. That's what that means. I'm sure if you take all of the craps played around the world for a month, the results for the pass and don't pass wagers will be very close to the expected statistical outcomes for those wagers. That stands to reason. Ditto. All the player and bank outcomes on a Baccarat wager. Around the globe for a month, those wagers will return to the mean or very, very close to the mean. Blackjack is a bit more difficult to conceptualize. In the abstract, it's easy. 
have a computer play a million hands of perfect basic strategy and review the results. And I expect the results will return to the mean, which is they will be very close to the expected outcome. Assume a strict one unit bet. The player will lose the correct amount per hundred wagered for the specific rules the simulation is using. But that isn't the real world. In the real world, many players don't play basic strategy at all. Or many do until they don't, and then they kind of make it up because they're uncomfortable with it. People also make mistakes. I've been told that those errors in basic strategy, intended or unintended, but because of those errors, the average blackjack table in North America has a household that's called house space hold, not household one word. The money the house keeps, a house keep if you will. Oh, that could be a small fortress. So the amount of the money that the house has after the game has been played, money won, not the house advantage, but it's about $4 per hundred. It should be, the mean would be 40 cents per hundred approximately, depending on the rules. But because of the lack of basic strategy played, because of player randomness, the house actually does much better at blackjack. So I will accept that the statistical mean for basic strategy is accomplished by a computer, a pl an individual player, yes. Players in general, no, we know that's not true. So viewed that way, returning to the mean means the house always wins. You can't win. Returning to the mean means you can't win. That's upsetting, but let's come back to that. Maybe concerning, intellectually concerning, since we're doing a moment of concepts. It's something to be pondered, not upset about, at least at this point. As I said, we'll get back to that. What about the other part of that definition that I went through? The basketball player illustration. Let's apply that to a gambler. A series of successes greater than the statistic mean means that eventually a player will have a series of failures until their outcomes match the statistical mean, which is to say eventually a player must lose until their previous wins are gone and they have lost the amount the statistical mean requires them to lose. It's inevitable. They can't, it, it's going to happen, right? That's the logic of people who lose is that they build casinos on profits and profits come from the house advantage and every player must eventually return to the mean. Wow. Yuck. Statistics are mean when we look at what it means to return to the mean. You can't win. Now imagine having that thought in your head after winning for months on end and then going on a losing streak on vacation because I just went through that. Freaked out? Worried? Thinking that perhaps I've been wrong all along? That's fair. I've had that thought. Had it a couple of times, more than a couple of times. And I'm not sure why the notes say a couple of times. Had it more than a couple of times this month. It's often said that statistics don't lie, but liars use statistics. If this is the case, as it relates to gambling and returning to the mean, I'm sure statistics don't lie, but I'd be lying, um, lying, I'd be lying if I said, but not a lion. Uh, <laughs> If I, I'd be lying if I said, I think this is something we need to worry about. Let's talk through this. Let me start by saying, as I did earlier, that I'm sure on a global basis, the statistics are correct and that all wagers return to the expected mean. But individual players? Do individual players return to the mean? Is it inevitable that an individual player has to return to the mean? I don't see how that could ever be possible. Let's look at some examples. Player walks into a casino, never been to a casino before, plays one spin of roulette, and win or lose, never gambles again. Ever. Never does it. How does that player return to the mean? I mean, think about it. Suppose somebody walks in on their 21st birthday, buys a beer, puts $100 down on black. Black comes up on roulette. They've doubled their money and they walk away and they never go to a casino to get again. How could that player ever return to the mean, which is they should only win that bet 47 point, whatever I told you when I started this segment, something would made to make them, compel them, force them to make additional wagers until they'd lost the appropriate amount to return to the mean. And I don't think that's going to happen. Or a player lost a lot for years, and then they learned how to play well and started winning. Are they by definition going to keep winning? but only until they've won enough to return to the mean and make up for all that losing? How does, how, how does the mean know when the players won enough 
to make up for those losses? How does some infallible hand of divinity make all this happen? And if the infallible hand of divinity makes this happen, that still says if you've lost a whole bunch, if you've lost $50,000 over five years, well, you should keep playing because if you're going to return to the mean, if that's what that means, well, then you've got $47,000 of winning to do over the next five years, approximately. I made those numbers up in my head. But the idea is if you're only supposed to lose 40 cents per hundred, then you've lost way more than you should. And it's no fault of yours. It's not because you had poor strategy, poor money management, didn't have a wagering system. It's not that you didn't have positive exit points, negative exit points. It's not any of those things. It's just statistics. So in that case, don't change anything. Doesn't matter. Just go do the same thing over again. And you should win a high percentage. Of, see, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. There's no, there's no way that could be true. At least I can't figure it out. If you're listening to this and going, no, TRG, you're missing the statistical quantum variation fluctuation coefficient that goes at the end of the... Sti- okay. Tell me. Email TRG at casinocombat.com. Spell combat with a K. Tell me what I'm missing because I don't see how that's going to happen. Or take myself. Now, I'm pretty sure, despite losses when I was younger... Because back then, gambling was once every few years. So despite losses when I was younger and some immediately recent losses, I'm really sure, like statistical, like like numbers in spreadsheets and books, sure that over my lifetime, I've won a great deal more than I've lost. Knock on wood. But what if I'm in a car accident or develop an illness that puts me in the hospital and I am suddenly against doctor's orders? What? I'm going to demand in the hospital bed after the car accident on my deathbed i'm just going to demand that i be taken to the casino to gamble and i will be compelled to play until i've lost enough to return to the mean is that what it means i mean if statistics prove i as a player must return to the mean that has to mean that i will keep gambling until that happens that that doesn't make any sense that's not possible nothing is going to compel me If I decide today, oh, let's take the extreme here. I hadn't thought about that. Let's take the extreme here. I call my state's number and I ban myself from gambling in my state. And then I call all the big brands, right? I call all the big brands and I ban myself. That means they're going to charge me with trespassing the soon as they facial ID me and know who I am. They're going to charge me with trespassing and kick me out of the building because I told them to. I literally like can't get in a casino to play blackjack, but I'm still going to return to the mean. How, how would I do that? How do I return to the blackjack mean if I banned myself from playing blackjack basically anywhere? Can't happen. So it can't mean that I have to return to the mean just because of statistics. Can't. Allow me to suggest some other reasons a player is not required by statistics to return to the mean. For for a player, all this math implies a consistent wager amount. Now, some people play that way. The pejorative term ploppy is often applied to them, particularly in advantage play blackjack circles. I've told you since episode one, you can't win over time making the same wager on repeat. At most, you can hope to exit the world, the table, the building, right? You're going to return to the mean, in theory, I guess. But the best you could do over infinite time as an infinite player, if you're only going to do one unit at a time, is be one unit ahead or one unit behind. I think that's the big flaw I've been illustrating in the idea that not a wager, but a player must return to the mean. A player can make wagers with a range of amounts. If we go back to the basketball player, The basketball player can't say, if I make this shot, I get six points. Now, if I make this shot, I get two points. The rules of the game are fixed. The only way to record more points is to score more baskets. Or you can be beyond the three-point line or within the three-point line, but you can't make it worth ten points by anything you do. A basket is a basket. But in gambling, a player can decide how much they will win if they win this bet. A player can return to the mean in terms of wagers won or lost. The player can bet on black and the ball can land there the statistically correct 47.34% of the time. 
but if the player increases their bets after a loss or a series of losses and lowers their bet after a win, they can win, not lose money, despite the fact that the wheel has performed to the mean statistically. Clearly, if the wagers are not consistent, then returning to the mean doesn't mean the player loses. The idea, the wheel can perform to the mean. The blackjack results can perform to the mean in terms of amount that should be lost, hands that should be lost and won. But because the player is not compelled to make the same wager every time, the player can still record victories financially consistently because they control a variable, a variable that an athlete does not control. Which brings us to the other thing that players control, and the math does not. The player decides when to play and when to leave. Casino Wisdom number 47 teaches us that the house's biggest advantage is infinite time and infinite money. Over infinite time, the mean may be inevitable. That keeps the casino open for us to use. But we can play until we win for a particular table or day and then leave. That mean can happen to someone else from the house's point of view, but we don't care. I think that's the bottom line here. Returning to the mean means the house will win and the casino will stay open. But it can't and doesn't mean that because we won for a period of time, we must return to the mean and lose what we have won. We can keep what we've won. We can win consistently. And that's what returning to the mean means. Our next segment is A Moment of Casino Wisdom. And we're going to turn one of my favorite wisdoms on its head. If you think returning to the mean was scary, things are about to get worse. The casino wisdom I want to discuss today is wisdom number 58. Luck is the intersection of opportunity and preparation. A Roman general said it originally, in Latin I assume, and it's been repeated in various ways by various people in various languages ever since. The idea is sound, and one that I've always considered to be true, that luck isn't really a thing. That, that luck, that I'm not lucky, I'm just prepared, and I leave when there isn't an opportunity, and I involve myself when there is an opportunity, and because I'm prepared, I achieve success. Having said that, uh, ongoing argument. Mrs. TRG thinks I'm lucky and that some people are just lucky and by extension that she is not in the regards, as it regards to playing blackjack at least. Obviously very lucky that she met me. Who could, how could that not be lucky? <laughs> I'm lucky she doesn't listen to these episodes very often. I always ignored it when she said she thought I was just luckier than other people. So I'm, I'm playing in high limit. Uh, this has been a couple months ago now. This has been a gestating, evolving experience that's led us to this episode moment, led us to this segment of this episode. So I'm with one of my favorite dealers. I'm playing in high limit. So I'm playing with LT Gray. He's a great dealer, known him uh, probably 12 years now, something like that. And it's a tough shoe. It's a really tough shoe. And we come out on the other side and we're shuffling the cards and he kind of looks at me and he says, there's not a lot of people that could do what you just did. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, that was horrible. And you kept regrouping and pulling chips from this pile and this pile. And, and you kept rethinking things. And you didn't get angry because it went bad and put all your chips in. And and, and how how did you finish? And I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm up one chip. He goes, well, that's amazing. Most people couldn't have survived that, let alone be up one chip after what we just went through. He goes, and some people are just lucky. I said, oh, no, no, look, luck's just preparation and opportunity. Uh, you know, I'm not lucky. I, I could just as easily have, have lost that as won it. I said, it's just a matter now. I just, I'm prepared. I just need an opportunity. And he goes, no, no. Some people are just luckier than others. And now that makes me think, right? Because he's been doing this a minimum 40 hours a week for 12 years. And at best, currently, I'm, I'm doing it 10, 12 a week. He's doing 40 a week. He's been doing it for 12 years. He has a lot more experience with the game. He has a lot more time on the game. He's seen a lot more players play than I've seen play. And he's telling me that some players are lucky and some players are not. And now over the next few weeks, he and I, he'd be my dealer at various points and things would happen and he'd go, see, 
you were lucky. And that's really bothered me. That I so here's here's a horrible thing to feel bad about, right? What if I'm lucky? That's what's been in my brain. That's what's in my head. What what if luck is real? What if some people are just lucky? What if I am lucky? And I've been telling people, telling all of you that winning is not a matter of luck. It's a matter of preparation and opportunity. I, yeah, what if that's true? Big picture, what if I was just lucky for a while after what I've been going through and I'm not lucky now? That somehow ignored the fact that he said more people couldn't have navigated that shoe. But what if my skill is just trusting my luck to occur eventually? What if I'm a fraud because I'm lucky? What if I've not been telling you the truth? And then what if my luck is gone? So that has been in my brain for a while now. And then I came across an article from Inc. Magazine titled, Understanding the Four Types of Luck Will Make You Instantly Luckier. And then the subtitle is, luck isn't about blind chance. And so now I disagree. It's influenced by behavior and mindset too. And those you can control. Luck, mindset. That sounded like something I needed to read, right? You, <laughs> I, I'm all over this article now. Because I had this conversation with El Tigre several weeks prior. It turns out there was a book written in 1978 called Chase, chance and creativity the lucky art of nobility yeah 1978 i missed that one in high school we are in the process of getting that book added to the trg recommends section of the casino combat website so if you want a copy of that book we've uh, we've done all the research for you we figured out how you can get it we've added that link right there so 1978 somehow i missed this book while i was in high school and if you believe the author Based on the summary in Inc. Magazine, there are four kinds of luck. Blind luck, which is just random chance, and you can't really do anything about it. What I have always meant when I said I didn't believe in luck. That's blind luck. The next type of luck is luck from motion, and it's much more under our control, per the article. This type of luck occurs when you're creating motion and collisions through hustle and energy. That's casino combat. I mean, what is casino combat if it is not motion and collisions created through hustle and energy in a casino? That's casino combat. This is casino wisdom number 11. You can't win the car from the couch. You have to be in motion and hustling and aware they're giving away the car and that you've got entries to have a chance to win the car. The next kind of luck. Luck from awareness. If you have awareness, you can spot luck from a mile away, the author claims. Well, I don't know about a mile away. I can't see a mile. Maybe I get drones. Maybe there are luck drones. Okay. Through some combination of openness, curiosity, optimism, and experience. Openness, curiosity, optimism, and experience. You're more likely to recognize luck when it appears. Cultivating these traits, therefore, will make you luckier. Oh my goodness! Openness? Curiosity? You had to be open to the idea that you could win. You had to be curious. Do you know how many times I tell people what I do and they're not curious enough to ask how? Optimism? Have a winning mindset or don't gamble. That's one of our wisdoms. And experience. And we've talked a little bit about that recently. But what are some of our other casino wisdoms? Always play your free play, free bet, lottery ticket, says the book of casino wisdom. But really, I was curious about gambling. I was optimistic that I could find a way to win. I was open to trying new things, and I gained a lot of experience over the years. I put all of that into my life and eventually into our podcast, Luck from Awareness. Who knew? Fourth type of luck is luck from uniqueness, per the author. This type of luck favors those with a distinctive, if not eccentric, hobby, personal lifestyle, and motor behaviors. And I'll confess, I don't know what a motor behavior is. But this is an idea that Steve Jobs understood well. In a 1982 talk, the Apple founder advised those looking to increase their intelligence and success to cultivate weird hobbies and unusual interests. Casinos are a unique interest. Being a professional gambler is a strange hobby. It is an eccentric lifestyle to live a casino lifestyle. Let's be honest. The vest, the rings, the boots, or whatever your totems are, 
Those are certainly distinctive items. The article continues by saying, The point isn't that psychedelics or polyamory specifically makes you luckier. It's that offering the world an unusual combination of skills, experiences, and interests makes you more likely to stand out and attract opportunities. Uniqueness doesn't just make you interesting, it will make you luckier. Their words, not mine, emphasis mine. Again, how many times did someone say to me, before I started doing this for all of us, you have a unique way of looking at casinos and gambling. Who knew that was making me lucky as well? I certainly did not. Now, I'll be honest and say that I remember the 70s, and there were a lot of weird and unbelievable books being written, certainly in hindsight, unbelievable. I mean, Inc. is a reputable publication, but they need clicks like everyone else. I decided to do some research and ask ChatGPT how to be luckier, because that stupid AI knows everything. The result was so amazing that I wanted to provide you with the responses and make some observations as we go, and I'll try to separate those out for you. ChatGPT said, luck is often regarded as random and unpredictable phenomena, not something that can be acquired or controlled directly. However, there are certain practices and mindsets, boy, there's that word again, that some people believe, well, that's a different kind of word, can help create a favorable environment for luck to occur. Let's do that one again. However, there are, this is in direct contradiction to what I have always thought and believed. However, there are certain practices and mindsets that some people believe can help create a favorable environment for luck to occur. Here are a few suggestions. Suggestion one, positive mindset. Maintaining a positive attitude can help attract positive outcomes. Cultivate optimism and believe in your ability to succeed. My thought, how many times have we talked about having a winning mindset? Again, there's a casino wisdom that teaches that. I created that wisdom and I taught that and I believed that. And here apparently is evidence to suggest that that's part of what you need to do to be lucky. Point two from chat GPT. Preparation and opportunity. The saying, luck is when preparation meets opportunity, holds some truth. Okay, so I wasn't wrong about that. By being prepared, putting in effort, and staying open to opportunities, you increase your chances of being in the right place at the right time. Okay, I feel a little better about that one right now. Persistence and resilience. Point three. Keep trying, even if in the face of setbacks. Sometimes luck comes after multiple attempts, and being persistent can increase the probability of encountering a lucky break. Be honest, I could have said that. All the things I've taught about Bankroll calculations and money management fit well right here. All the meta martingale fits right here. Playing for the month, not the table or the day fits right here in point three of ChatGPT's version of how to be lucky. Point four, take calculated risks. While luck involves chance, it's important to take calculated risks. Educate yourself about the activities you engage in. Make informed decisions and take calculated chances when appropriate. To which I say, make wagers with the smallest possible house advantage. Have a bankroll of money appropriate to the wagers you are going to make. Episodes 1, 2, 3, and 7, something like that. Item 5, networking and connections. Building a strong network and maintaining positive relationships with others can open doors to new opportunities and increase the likelihood of fortunate outcomes. Have Allies teaches the Casino Combat Book of Casino Wisdom, followed by the casino employees are not your employees, they are your co-workers. I might add to that, build a squad that has your back and shares knowledge and information to make everybody better. Point six, stay aware and seize opportunities. Be observant and stay aware of your surroundings. Sometimes luck manifests as unexpected opportunities that may pass if you are not attentive. Casino wisdom number 73. Have fun, but pay attention to the details. Planning around your promotions is also a form of awareness. Item number seven. The final item. Practice gratitude. Expressing gratitude for the things you have can help shift your mindset toward positivity and attract more positive experiences. This is have, have a winning mindset, but I also learned this from ECE. Buy the coffee. That said, while I have been struggling a bit with arrogance and feeling invincible this month, 
I am generally stunned and amazed that I can do what I can do. I am, in general, grateful for the opportunities that gambling with skill provides. I am in awe and amazed that I get to live a casino lifestyle, and I'm very grateful for that. ChatGPT continues, It's important to remember that luck is not a guarantee and cannot be controlled directly. However, by adopting a positive mindset, staying prepared, being persistent, and making calculated decisions, you can create an environment that may increase the likelihood of fortunate events occurring. So two different sources, two slightly different takes on the same information. Clearly, Casino Wisdom number 58 isn't wrong, but rather than a denial that luck exists, it is in fact an affirmation that preparation and an openness to opportunity are part of being lucky and that we can all learn to be lucky. In fact, that's the obvious conclusion, I think. Um, and that bugs me. I thought I had a unique skill that I had developed. It turns out that all I had done was learn the hard way to be lucky, something I could have learned from a book before I was old enough to drive. It turns out this entire podcast, uh, folks, this entire podcast has been about teaching all of you how to be lucky at the game of casino gambling. Now, you have to be skilled and you have to be prepared, but I just figured out how to be, apparently, apparently, our Casino Combat podcast has been me sharing with you what I learned to be lucky in a casino. And in some ways, I'll be honest, I feel like a bit of a charlatan at this point. If you feel like you're owed an apology, please consider it to have been humbly and genuinely offered. I, I didn't tell you at the beginning I was putting you on a course to luck. But that is a valid interpretation. Rebut this. If you think you can rebut this, I'm open to it because this has got me in a spin. If you think you can tell, it, take the opposite point of view, please pull out your phone, put an app on it to re do a voice record, record the rebuttal, email it to me, trg at casinocombat.com. I'll, I'll put it on. We'll all have the conversation. But there is a conclusion here that says this podcast is a series of lessons on how to be lucky in a casino. And I don't know how I feel about that. But that is, in my mind, in my opinion, a valid interpretation of what I've taught you. I figured out how to be lucky in a casino, and I have now taught all of you how to be lucky in a casino. And now all you have to do is sharpen the skills and experiences necessary to have that luck. That could have been a moment of concept segment too, I guess. Our final segment is a trip to the virtual VIP lounge to make some observations about a couple of weeks of gambling and to review the results for the month. A little bit of the bubbly. Our lounge is open. Welcome to the most must listen to segment in casino gambling podcasting, the virtual VIP lounge where we have the best virtual everything virtually all the time. Make a plate, pour yourself something. The artisanal sparkling water is particularly good on the rocks today. If you can, press pause, pour yourself something in real life, and join me in a drink. I am having said sparkling water today. Gotta stay clear-headed. Take on the world later today. When you're an adult, it's not a cliche. It's the truth. Let's start with some observations from a couple of weeks of gambling locally. As always, I picked up a couple of handbags, some flatware, free bet, food comps, etc., etc. And I'll get to some serious items in a minute, but let me let me do a couple of fun ones first. First day back in my local casino, first day back from Vegas, I'm playing bubble craps and two other players are also at the other two parts of the game and they're angry and they're complaining loudly. They can't win. They're commiserating. They're, See, I told you, it's just establish a point, two numbers thrown, then Big Red shows up and wipes us out. Wow, that's horrible. Think they, they establish a point, so a number is rolled, they establish a point, they make their bets, a couple numbers are rolled, and there's a big red, and they lose. If only there was a bet you could make to take advantage of a consistent point, two numbers, and then big red. If only there was a system for that. Oh wait, that's exactly what TRG Floor played on the don't pass line takes advantage of, right? That's, that I, we'll make money all day with TRG Floor if the thing they say always happens, happens to us. I, I'll take that all the time. Quite frankly, only two rolls. Thank you. That's nice and quick. I tried to buy the coffee. Tried to, to, to tell them about the podcast episode where I discussed what I do. 
they were not interested. They were much more interested in explaining why the game could not be beat because it was always point two numbers and big red. Not sure what else I could have done. Really not. The other fun thing that happened, or the informative, maybe this was more informative than fun. I was looking for a seat at a blackjack table while the casino was busy with people getting ready to go to a basketball game. Our casino wisdoms teach us to have allies. As I'm walking up to the table, a dealer catches my eye and gives me a quick shake of the head. An ally telling me I don't want to play at this table. I move on. I don't find anything and start to circle back around as two gentlemen loudly exit the table. The dealer nods his head yes. The problem he was steering away from me was gone. That's having allies. That's nice when that happens. When people know you and are trying to protect you from things you can't know. It's why we have that particular casino wisdom. All right. The more serious stuff. And this is going to get a little complex and a little bit into me giving you opinions, not facts. First observation occurs outside the casino. And it is a lesson I need to share with all of you, I think. We arrived back home from Vegas two days before tax day in the United States. This wasn't a surprise. My tax preparer and I had discussed before I left that I have a strange return with self-employment income, podcast revenue, podcast expenses, gambling income, gambling expenses, then I was going to get home and need to wire money to pay the taxes, etc. Knew it going in, not a big deal, thought I'd prepared well. But here's where things get tricky in a strange way that only gamblers have to deal with. I've said repeatedly that when you win, you should put money aside against future losses and to pay your taxes. I do that. And when I need to offset those losses, when those losses occur in the future... I take money from two envelopes, the envelope with winnings and the envelope with tax money. And the logic is pretty simple. It works the same way. The logic is pretty simple and it works the same way if you're using bank accounts, not safes. And here's, here's an example. If you win $100 and set aside $25 for taxes and put the rest in an envelope to offset future losses, winnings to offset future losses, and then you lose $100 and you need it back to keep playing. That's the loss you anticipated. You no longer owe the taxes since you no longer won the money. And you can just take out a hundred bucks. That all works great. But what if you won the money in December and lost the money in January? Now you can't do that. You won a hundred dollars in December. You owe $25 in taxes. The government still needs to pay on your winnings for the year. So you can only take out 75. You can only take from the winnings envelope. You can't stand, take out of the taxes envelope. So where does that put me at this moment in time? I took some losses before we left on vacation and pulled some money out of various accounts, but left the tax money alone since it's a new year. I also pulled money to have it available during the trip and then honestly pulled some money during the trip. After I paid the taxes, what had looked like plenty of cash in reserve in March was looking a little bit slim. Not, oh no, how will we pay the bills slim? Not our personal accounts, but enough to suddenly be a bit more bankroll aware when in the casino. That's just an interesting aspect of this. The lesson here is that unlike most businesses, losses from one year cannot be carried forward and backward between years. At least not in any way my tax person could find. If you know a different way, if you are a tax accountant, please reach out. I'd like to understand this better than I understand it if I understand it wrong. Because it's kind of a weird sticking point when you put all this money aside to pay your taxes, you pay your taxes, and you just lost a big chunk of what you won in the previous year. Now, I'm expecting to win it back. I'm expecting to fix this. But if there's a way to do it differently, it sure would be nice to know. So back to the casino piece. That's a casino piece, but it's outside the casino. I go back to my local casino after being in Vegas, and it was like getting back to work after vacation. It was like, okay, yeah, I know what to expect. I know what the table rules are going to be. I know how everything uh, how everything works here. I know that what I do works here. And I was looking forward to getting things back on track, getting focused. And it was easy the first day. I did the Meta Martingale to Tier 2 three different times and won almost half of what I'd lost in Las Vegas. I was back on track. I was going to easily get even and then start working on the expenses. And that lasted one day. The rest of the month was a series of small wins and tier three losses that wiped out the previous wins. I'll give you the number in a minute. 
I don't want to shy away from what a difficult two weeks this was. The results were not what we had gotten used to. See, for over a year, Mrs. TRG and I have had conversations that included me saying, well, as long as I can keep doing this at this level, this won't matter. Right? As long as I can keep, just keep going down and getting a day's pay or more virtually every day, as long as I can keep going 58 days in a row without a, a tier three loss, as long as I can keep doing laps at the Tropicana, then these expenses won't matter. I had two weeks where that didn't happen. I couldn't seem to make things work. I was undoubtedly in my own head. I was undoubtedly having mindset problems. I was, look, it was an issue. And the bigger issue is, when you're the coach, who coaches you when things don't go well? I'm trying to coach myself, right? I'm trying to look at things objectively and tell, tell myself what I'd tell all of you in the same situation. Mrs. TRG, to her credit, did some of that coaching. We had several conversations. We had multiple conversations. We had even had a conversation where I said, I know, you told me, you're right, I agree, I'm doing it, I'm trying to do it, you telling me that I need to do it, and me telling me telling you I agree, and then me telling me I need to do it. Okay, we're agreeing. I'm doing my best. Uh, I look. I try to be as I try to be as unbuttoned down and emotionally invested in this as I can be to give you a real sense of it. I was in a real spin. I did a lot of soul searching as to why what had been so easy suddenly was so hard. If any particular listener had the two weeks I'd had after the week in Vegas, they would be convinced I'm full of it, and I wouldn't blame them. Things reached the point where I finally took my own advice. I skipped a couple of days, didn't go to work, picked up some comps on uh, kind of the last uh, last weekend of the month, did one little small tier one buy-in, recorded a very small win, and let the month be the mess the month had been, and started over the next month. All right, let's go over the results for the month as we always do, but not as we always do. Usually I'm telling you at this point, I'm not bragging or boasting. No one is going to accuse me of those things this episode. Unless when someone thinks I'm bragging about surviving this, which I most certainly am not. One of the core concepts is to play for the month, not to, uh, not to play for the table or the day. I believe in looking back at each month to determine what can be learned from the results. I believe that all of you deserve to hear real outcomes. So after each month, I reduce all my results to the if I earned $1 a day scale. I talk through those things with all of you and then do a blog post on the website so you can review things in detail if you would like. Let's see what things look like, but then let me also tell you this. I am normally highly confident in the numbers I give you. Highly confident. I find that when I go back through the records, we generally have recorded things with what I like to consider to be about 98% accuracy. And then of the other 2%, I generally am sure that I have fixed more than 90% of that. And let me tell you what I mean there by fixed. Every once in a while, there will be something entered as blackjack play, and it will be a negative $14.18. And then the description will be fun slot machine too bad it didn't work out. Well, I don't know of any way, unless you're playing penny blackjack, to lose blackjack in that amount. And then the comment tells me that that was a slot machine, and I correct it from blackjack to slot. Or it will say gift, and then I will look, and it will say drinks and tips. And it will be a negative number. So obviously that is not a gift. Obviously that was an expense. Those little things happen. I am not highly confident in these numbers going through them. I'm not sure that if we ran the tape of Las Vegas that we would not find either expenses that had been over-entered or under-entered, tips to someone that got missed, and that's not like me, a, a slot machine that someone drunkenly misentered, or flat-out forgot. These numbers are not as good, or as good's the wrong word. These are not good numbers. I'm not burying that lead. These are not good numbers. You are going to hear about losing. Maybe we can find some bright spots when we talk through it together. But accurate. These numbers are not to the same level of accuracy, in my opinion, as numbers I've previously given you. They do not jump, nothing jumps out at me as drastically wrong or omitted. The hotel comps are here. The airfare expenses are here. The car rental expenses are here. But around the edges, there are probably some mistakes. 
There are probably some expenses that are underreported. There may even be, oh, I hope not, but there may even be some losses that are underreported. So let's dig in. Let's get started. Let's be a happy warrior about this. This is all going to go up on the website as it always does. We're not going to run from this. We're not going to hide from this. We're going to tell you just exactly as it is. And we're going to tell it to you as if I earned a dollar a day. And that's important because it tells you what these numbers would mean in your life. I suspect these numbers would freak a lot of you out. Trust me when I tell you it freaked my wife out. Table games. We lost $10.40, rounded up 45 cents. $10.45. So left Vegas, what, minus seven dollars? Seven days? Yeah, minus seven-ish dollars. And lost another over three days pay in the time that I was back. We played 186 blackjack tables, 74 winning, 112 losing. Lost a lot of money playing blackjack. And this is one of those numbers that is, when you look at it on the website, it's a little weird because I suspect, I suspect there's some Baccarat here. I suspect there's some Pygal in here. There's more losses at tables than the losses at blackjack. So there's maybe some free bet or something. This is a little wonky. The The table number is right. I've gone back through that. But blackjack was clearly not good. Blackjack, clearly a hot mess. Bubble craps, though. This could have been a hot mess. This, this could have been a complete disaster because halfway through the month, I decided to double my unit size on bubble craps. Stupid thing to do. The kind of thing a drunk guy who thinks he's unbeatable does. Nine winning bubble craps, uh, 16 bubble craps tables total. So a little down from previous months. That's the interesting part. Normally I get about 20 tries a month at bubble craps because of Vegas. It's only 16. Nine winning, seven losing, $1.36. So the wins are actually up a little bit from previous months. And the number of tables played is actually down a little bit. This is turning out to be consistently reliable. It'll be interesting to see next month if the with the double unit size, if we end up with more like around a $2 bubble craps win on the dollar a day scale. Be interesting to see that. If with the double larger unit size, if we win double the amount, because this is turning out to be a very reliable, I hate to say simple, because doing TRG4 correctly on a bubble craps machine Take some intelligence and knowledge and skill, but consistently it's a moneymaker month in, month out since we've been tracking it separately. We played 12 slot machines, five of them winning, seven of them losing, playing slots with our own money using TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos, which you can download from the website in the Fred section as Casino Combat Slot Tactics. Playing using that strategy, we lost 95 cents, just short of a dollar, just short of a day's pay. Free slot play. We were given 29 cents and we won 26 cents. I suspect the lack of free slot play is the Vegas trip a little bit and then the lack of other kinds of trips. So didn't get as much free slot play in Las Vegas as we would normally get playing locally and traveling around in the area. So it didn't offset. We took, this is one of the first times in, in a while that we've actually, the two kinds of slot play, the two slot strategies intermixed have not had a positive outcome. Lost 95 cents, won 26 cents. You can do the math there. Uh, it's actually 27 cents if we round up, which we should. So took a loss there in the total of the two slot tactics, two casino combat slot tactics. I made nine sports bets. I had five winning sports bets. I had four losing sports bets and uh, lost seven cents on sports bets. That's figured into the whole final number for everything. But we got to take sports bets with a grain of salt, everybody. I am not claiming I know how to teach you how to do sports bets. I'm not claiming I've tested sports betting enough to have anything that works. Um, took some loss this month, had less reps than usual because, um, sports betting is kind of geofenced right now. You have to have, like, you can be an MGM sports book customer, but you have to have an account set up and have a separate wallet for almost every state. And I could have kept doing sports betting in Las Vegas at the sports book in person, 
but it just wasn't important enough to be part of my vacation. It wasn't something I felt I really needed to be concerned about. I certainly was not going to establish a Vegas wallet and have to close it out and all of that. So take all the sports. I'm going to give you the sports betting results. Take them with a grain of salt. I'll tell you right now, next month is going to be a tough month to win because I was trying one strategy and then switched to a different strategy. So we're going to look for a trend over time here. Last month, one money betting sports for the first time consistently. This month, lost a little bit of money. Bottom line, profit or loss from gambling, $11.15. Expenses, $13.34. That should not be surprising. That should not be stunning. We had plane tickets. We rented a Corvette. We went to multiple different shows. We did all kinds of stuff all around Las Vegas. That should not be surprising that our expenses were so high. It's just frustrating they were in a month when our gambling was so poor. Profit or loss after expenses, $24.49. Comps, $6.31. No bet, no match bets. $4 in free bets, four days pay in free bets, almost the equivalent of a week's pay in free bet, 80 cents in gifts. Total value into our lives from gambling. Gambling took 15 days pay from our lives, which is to say the six days pay in comps offset some of the expenses, but not even all of the expenses. The comps offset about half. We got all the things we bought half price. That's another way to interpret that. If you want to put a positive spin on it, the planes were half price. All of it was half price because we got half of it back in comps. You can't gamble this way successfully over time. You can't. There's no way to sugarcoat it. Bubble craps is a bright spot in the whole thing. The rest of it is a mess. I have told you I went into a spin. Uh, let's just leave it at that. I, I finished the month taking time off, minimizing the losses for the month, and ready to pick up the next month and see what happened. That's the question sitting here. Is that is April the new normal? In which case, this gets really ugly really fast. Or is April a big anomaly, partially because of stupidity? Maybe a winning mindset that wasn't as, as solid as I needed it to be, and just an unlucky month. That would be fine. It was just an unlucky month, and things will get back on track. As a percentage of money won for the year, it's not a big deal. But I can't do this very often. It's got to be controlled. It's got to be different. And uh, win or lose, I'll be back here next episode to tell you about the next two weeks. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. If you have a host, tip your host, but don't tip away your wins. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. We might find out in 10 years, I've been wrong about all of this. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the gift of your time. And here is undoubtedly the best part of the podcast, the Casino Combat theme song. Thanks, everybody. It's the lure of winning money, it's got a very strong